0: Hi everybody and welcome. I am glad you are joining me for the last session in our series, The Final Four. We're looking at four women that Jesus ministered to in his last weeks on earth before he went to be with his father. And today our lesson is found in John chapter 20 and it's when Jesus appeared to uh, Mary uh, Magdalene and it is a wonderful story that is a reminder that jesus appears to us also so let's take a look we are talking about the resurrection today the resurrection is crucial to our christian faith and paul writes this in first corinthians 15 and if christ has not been raised Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. So he was reminding us that... Our whole faith hinges on the truth of the resurrection. And we uh, will look at how that resurrection truly happened and how Mary Magdalene was a wonderful chosen one that got to experience that. But before we can understand the impact of the resurrection on the disciples and the women and the followers... We're going to look at their emotional state. So Jesus has been tortured and he's been crucified. They watched him endure the agony of the cross. And when a soldier pierces his side to confirm his death, they could see that the water and blood flowed out from him and then the body was taken down, and Mary, his mother, probably embraced him one last time. And then the body was carried in a large shroud to the nearby burial place. And the women followed and perhaps helped as Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus put myrrh and aloes into the grave wrappings. And then the men together put their shoulders to the heavy stone, and with all of their might, rolled it into place where it comes to a stop and the grave is shut. Well, these women must have had heavy hearts as they followed the men into the city and Sabbath night uh, falls on them. Saturday must have seemed to take forever to be over and they go through the emotions and the motions of that day. They must have been sadly and deeply depressed. Hope was gone, and and for many, it was replaced by fear. Uh, Are they now, let's get this in mind, are they thinking of the resurrection? No. Uh, They have seen their Messiah and the Lord die a horrible death, and it is over in their minds. See, they had these dreams of a glorious kingdom, and now that is gone. And so the women go home in grief and the men are in fear of the soldiers who might come after them. They are exhausted. I'm sure they toss and turn until the wee hours of the morning and they fall into this fitful sleep. And that is the deep emotional state that all of them are in. Well, They are in what we know now is a waiting period, and what we will see is that even in the waiting period, God is working. So, Friday evening to Sunday morning is the waiting period. They were waiting in fear. Many were in hiding. They had doubt, and in this dark, quiet period of the wait, they feel as if nothing is happening Life is now a blank. It's empty. It's quiet. And things seem hopeless. And it appears that this is the way life is going to be. But in that period of darkness and blankness, the greatest miracle is actually taking place. You see, what those early followers didn't know was that Saturday was actually resurrection eve. It was the day before the crucifixion and also uh, the day after the crucifixion and the day before the resurrection. We know what was to come, but they did not. They didn't fully realize or understand God's plan, but God was at work. He had this master plan. You know, that's true for us too. In the way God is at work. He's still in that business of moving mountains of our issues and problems and circumstances. He's breaking those chains that bind us up, and he is still resurrecting our dreams. He's saving lives. He's working with us even when we can't see. He is in that blank space. Well, are you in a waiting period for anything? Knowing that God is at work, How do you think you can make better use of the blank space? You know, if we trust that when we're in a period of waiting, that God is working, can we be more faithful to him and trust him? Knowing God is at work, how can you make better use of that time? In the wait, we can use the opportunity of the circumstance to wait well, to choose well, and to trust God because resurrection is coming. God is going to lead us through our waiting periods so that we too can rise to a new life. We just don't know exactly how it's going to look, but when we trust him, that in the darkness of our life and in the uncertainty of our life, resurrection is coming because he's promised us that. He's promised us each new life in him. But What we need to do is to trust him, believe him, and cooperate with him. Well, the wait ends on Saturday morning. This magnificent resurrection occurs. Each of our gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, gives us specific details to the story of the resurrection. And sometimes it's hard to understand how the details of each one of them fit together. For example, how many women were they? Who were they? How many went to the tomb? Uh, What men were there? Uh, Some passages have certain men there and they were at certain times and it can be a little bit confusing. So um, if you would like to pause in just a minute and go and read these passages, you can look at the different views of the the resurrection. and then uh, I'm going to put it together in just a minute so that you can see how they all came together. So we read uh, these these passages for the resurrection story. Matthew 28 verses one through 10, Mark 16 verses one through 11, Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and the focal passage for today is John 20, verses 1 through 16. So, uh, you're going to read different versions of it, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of put it together so that we can see how all of it could be true, but to, to demonstrate that, if you you think about an encounter that you had somewhere with several people and and you ask what the experience was like to each of the people who were there, you're probably going to get various viewpoints and various remembrances of who was there and what happened first. It's the same with this. Well, the Gospels refer to different times, and they name different women who arrived at the tomb. Matthew says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb as it began to dawn. And then in Mark, we read that Salome has been added to the group and says that they came very early in the morning. Well, Luke agrees that it was very early in the morning, and he names these, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women as those who went to the tomb. And then John wrote that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. So let's see if we can resolve the differences. What we can see from reading all four gospels that at least five women went to the tomb Luke names three of them and then says other women went too. Well, notice that Matthew does not say only two women were there. And Mark does not say only three women were there. They simply focus on the women they name. Now, John names only Mary Magdalene, and he is clearly aware that she is not alone. Reporting to Peter and John, she said this, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we, we do not know where they have laid him. So at least five women set out for the tomb in the early morning, probably from Bethany. And then as they neared the tomb, they noticed that the stone had been removed. Well, apparently at this time, then Mary Magdalene left the other women to go alert Peter and John. Based on her comment about not knowing the location of the Lord's body, it seems that she was not among the women who encountered the angels at the tomb, as were mentioned in the other Gospels. So, meanwhile, other women entered the tomb, and they encountered the angels. One of the angels told the women that the Lord had risen, And then what Matthew tells us is the women went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to bring his disciples' word. So that group probably set out on this two-mile trip to Bethany to tell the other disciples. They may have been stopped along the way, as we read in Luke, to tell Cleopas and an unnamed disciple about the morning's events. Or they may have split up so that a couple of them could have informed these men. You know, divide and conquer would have been the plan, wouldn't it? Instead of all of them staying together for every moment, they wanted to quickly get out and tell as many of the disciples as possible. Now, um, remember in John 19, the wife of Cleopas was also among these, so she would have been one that was perhaps going to tell her husband. Now, meanwhile, while these women were out telling the other disciples, Peter and John and Mary raced to the tomb. Well, the men entered the tomb, and they saw the grave clothes, and then they left. But Mary stayed behind, and we read this in John 20. She is crying outside the tomb. And when she looked into the tomb, she saw two angels. And after explaining that she was uh, sad because they had taken her Lord away, uh, she turned around and she saw the Savior. And then Mary departed to tell Peter and John about seeing the risen Lord. And Jesus then appeared to the other women who were on the way to Bethany. So that puts together the story uh, by looking at all four Gospels. It's not as if one is correct and the others are wrong or we can't trust them because nobody had the story exactly right, neither would any of us have a story exactly right, uh, even though we might have experienced the same encounter as other people. So that is presumed to be how that morning played out. But today we're going to study John's account. So I'm not going to try to weave all of those pieces into our lesson today. Um, For for example, John doesn't mention the Roman soldiers who guard the tomb or the women who accompany Mary Magdalene. We're just going to focus on John's telling of the story. Well, at, at this point, John introduces an important member of Jesus' ministry team. It's a woman, and she is the first witness to the risen Christ. This is Mary Magdalene. So let's go back and remember who she is. We meet her for the first time in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cuzza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So we meet Mary Magdalene. She was the one woman who, whom Jesus cast out seven demons. She's, we know her as Mary, and Magdalene indicates that she probably came from Magdala. That was a city on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus cast out seven demons from her. So after that, she was so grateful and just lived in all that Jesus could do that as she became one of his followers. So Mary Magdalene had been a follower of Jesus for many years, and she had just witnessed the events surrounding the crucifixion. Let's go back and see what she had been a part of. She was present at the mock trial of Jesus. She heard Pontius Pilate pronounced Jesus, the death sentence on Jesus. She saw Jesus beaten. She saw him humiliated by the crowd. And she was one of the women who stood near Jesus when he was crucified. The earliest witness to the resurrection of Jesus, she is the one that Jesus sent to tell the others. Well, there is this, what we're going to look today is the last mention of her in the Bible, but we, we are assuming that she was among those who were gathered uh, with the apostles when uh, they were uh, at Pentecost so that she would be a part of that group that received the Holy Spirit. She was a single woman. She had devoted her life and her resources to serving Jesus and his group of disciples. She stayed faithful. I think she is a role model for us, for faithfulness. Well, as we have put that picture together from the Gospels, we know that the women were headed to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. It was going to be this wonderful, tender gesture of their love. It's dark. It's probably around twilight. They worried out loud to each other, well, when we get there, who will roll away their stone? That stone, that huge stone that all the men had to roll. Well, to their shock when they arrive and they find the stone has been rolled away. And here is how John describes that. John 20, chapter 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. What had happened? Mary M is our excited our fast thinking always doing extrovert and she goes into action she is on a mission she is a woman walking with purpose because that stone was rolled away and she has got to get to the men and tell them this news so verse 2 tells us she ran and found simon peter and the other disciple the one whom jesus loved and that would have been john And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Well, now, who's she referring to as they? They, Who took Jesus? Uh, Was it the Romans? Was it angels? Was it robbers? She doesn't know. We don't know. But verse 3 tells us that Peter... And the other disciple now started out for the tomb. They are both running. But the other disciple, that would be John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He was probably younger and he was on the move. You see this action? Did you notice everybody is running? They are in this heightened state of awareness. (coughs) And I might also add a lot of confusion. What would be going through your mind You know, they would be thinking, we left him there? That stone was in front of the tomb, and now he's gone? What is happening? Well, we see in verse 5 that John stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he didn't go in. So you see, John hesitates, and Peter, who is our next extrovert choleric, uh, charges in. Verse 6 says, Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. So Peter goes in first, and then John follows Peter in, and he saw and believed he saw and believed that Jesus was not there. He must have risen. Verse 9 tells us, for until then, they still had not understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. So imagine that confusion. The linen wrappings are lying neatly, but Jesus was not there. You know, they think this doesn't really look like a crime scene. Everything's neat in here. So they must have been really puzzled. And they missed a key message, the one they were supposed to know. Scripture said Jesus must rise from the dead. But they didn't remember. They didn't hold on to that information. They didn't really fully understand it. They didn't trust his promise. So this is what they did. Verse 10, four words, Then they went home. I find that interesting and puzzling. Of course, I don't know where else they went, but I know the women did other things, didn't they? They went home. What would you have done? It is so hard to even fathom what we might have done. But here's Mary M., Mary Magdalene, Mary M., had experienced the same things. She had heard the same stories she had witnessed the death and she also had arrived at the tomb and she didn't go home when she first discovered that jesus wasn't there and she spoke to him remember well she eventually does but she went to peter and john for help she didn't go home and then when peter and john leave and she is staying at the tomb she is in the, at the tomb, and this is where she gets the biggest blessing of her life. She stays in that hard place, that place of confusion. We're going to see that she expresses her love and her emotion, and let's see what happens. In verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in she saw the two white robed angels one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of jesus had been lying dear woman why are you crying the angels asked her because they have taken away my lord she replied and i don't know where they have put him well first of all i don't know about you but if I saw two white-robed angels, I might do more than cry. I'd either be so gobsmacked I'd I'd do that back step with my my mouth agape, or or I'd faint cold on the the rocky slab, or I I'd do the hollering, jumping up and down, waving my hands in the air dance. How about you? But let's remember that Mary M used to have demons living in her, and angels dressed in white was not a frightening sight for her. Well, clearly, these angels were really concerned about Mary. They could see she she is crying. She is devastated. She's heartbroken. And she pours out to them. They've taken away my Lord. Notice she says, my Lord, it's personal. He's gone, and she doesn't know where he is. Imagine that sorrow and confusion. And then Mary turns. Did she sit? Someone was watching her. Verse 14 says she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? Jesus appears to Mary and look how tender he is with her, dear woman. He saw her tears. Notice the questions he asked her, why are you crying? And who are you looking for? Jesus was always good at asking questions. See, he likes to ask us questions because he wants to hear our answers. He wants us to tell him what it is we need. When we do that, it shows our humility. We're expressing to him. We have a lack of something and we need something from him. Now, we don't know why she didn't recognize him. Did he look different? or was it still really dark or was she just so distraught that she couldn't think clearly or did Jesus wait to identify himself while he watched her faithfulness fill the space she shows that she is willing to what she is willing to do to find her lord in this next part of the verse she thought he was the gardener sir she said if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Well, he must have looked human because she thought he was the gardener. Remember, others have been here at the tomb and they fled, but she returned. She was persistent, she was faithful, she is willing to do whatever it takes to find her Lord. And then he speaks. He calls her name. Verse 16, Mary, Jesus said. These are the first words the resurrected Jesus spoke, her name. You know, he chose Mary Magdalene to be the one he appeared to first. Mary M., the one who had the demons when he first met her, the one he healed, the one who followed him faithfully her. Well, she turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Now let's follow those actions. She turned and she cried out and she used the Aramaic. And that was the language of Jesus Rabboni, which is teacher rabbi. See, that's how she saw him. The one who taught. She had followed and served him for many years. She knew him as a healer, a server, a prophet, a preacher, a storyteller. She used the word teacher. What would you call him? Who is Jesus to you? What is the name you would use? Lord, Savior, Healer, King, Son of the Most High God? forgiver of my sins, or maybe teacher. You know, we see him in varied roles, and we can call him many names. It's so interesting to think that that is the name she called him of all the names. She saw him as one who taught her over those three years. Well, next, she must have reached out to him because verse 17 says, she says to him, he says to her, don't cling to me jesus said for i haven't yet ascended to the father but go find my brothers and tell them i'm ascending to the father and your father to my god and your god oh i imagine she had leaned toward him and was holding on to him out of joy and perhaps so that he wouldn't leave again but he's telling her let go because we have work to do I haven't gone to my father, so this whole process isn't over yet. We're on limited time, so go. How often have we heard and read that Jesus said go? I read that the book of Matthew alone includes the word go 150 times, and it's mostly said by Jesus. It's the gospel message, go and tell. Jesus tells Mary to go and tell my brothers, Jesus trusted her, didn't he? He trusted Mary M., a woman, to deliver the most amazing miracle message the world has ever known. Mary, a woman with a history, a woman he had healed, who was now whole and could be trusted. See, women's testimony was not accepted at that time. They weren't highly regarded or trusted, but he chose to tell her to go tell the brothers that Jesus is alive and that he has work to do before he returns to his Father in heaven. Now, Mary, who must have just wanted to sit with him and hear about this miracle of living uh, and wanted to actually spend time and not let go, might have been leery of leaving him again. But she left She did what he wanted her to do instead of what she wanted to do. She went. She obeyed. Yes, she could be trusted. I imagine she pulled up that heavy flowing robe and off she went as fast as her her sandaled feet would carry her. Verse 18 tells us, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message Mary fulfilled her mission. Processing what she had experienced and practicing what she would say with every step she took, she must have been filled with awe. She wanted to do her mission well. So filled with excitement and, and breathless, she found them as she told them five beautiful words I have seen the Lord. Can you imagine delivering that news? I've seen him. He is alive. See, Jesus had done great things for her. She had witnessed what he did for others. And now her message was to say that she had seen him, and he is real. He is alive. This is still our message. We, too, have experienced great wonders in our lives. Jesus has appeared to each of us. And as followers of Jesus, we have been forgiven. We have been saved from our sins and grafted into the kingdom of God, blessed beyond measure. We have been guided and directed, and we have felt His peace and joy. We have felt equipped to serve. We've been given a support team of people who dearly love us and cheer us along the journey. And so he says to us, go and tell. All we need to say is, I've seen the Lord at work in my life. I've seen Jesus. He's real. He's alive. It's our message too. We don't know what happened to Mary M. after this occasion. She's not mentioned by name again in Scripture. We speculate that she was in the upper room at Pentecost when we read in Acts 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We assume she was part of that group. We do know that Mary M. left her mark on the world. She didn't let her past define her future. She became a student of right living. She obeyed. She stayed faithful even when she went through a waiting period. She got the blessing of her life when Jesus appeared to her, and she fulfilled her mission and lived in her God-given purpose. On Easter night, Jesus appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to other disciples in Jerusalem. He appeared to Thomas. They all struggled with their belief, but Mary M. saw and believed. How many people have lived and heard about Jesus since Resurrection Sunday? Well, about 100 generations of people. How many have heard and believed? How many are like Mary M. and have heard, seen, and told I want to be counted in that number, the number of the faithful. I don't always lived up, live up to her consistent faithful walk, but I sure want to keep my trajectory going in the right direction. How about you? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful miracle. Thank you for choosing Mary. We were rooting for her. We've been cheering for her. We've loved watching her journey from a woman filled with demons. She must have been miserable. She must have been living in fear and anger and must have been rejected. But then you sent your son to walk this earth and meet Mary M. And in that, he healed her. And then she became this wonderful, faithful follower to the very end. As a result, he chose her. Thank you for this story. Help us to be inspired by it. Help us to be inspired to remain faithful. And we thank you that as we remain faithful, we will be doing it for your glory and for our good. It is in the name of Jesus, our personal Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen.